You're listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership and peak performance through interviews with some of the greatest team captains and thought leaders in the sports world. Now, here is your host, performance coach, speaker, and author, Ben Smith. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I am the founder, Ben Smith, and I'm excited to bring to you more of a discussion today on my thoughts on why I think it's important to name team captains. I'm going to present seven different reasons, and I'd like to start off by saying that um, you know a lot of people feel differently about this topic, and uh, just what I'm going to present today is just where the research is pointing me towards and what my experiences uh, have kind of shown me. And so I know that many teams have been successful with naming team captains, and many that have been successful by not. That I know that there are a lot of great high-performing coaches out there uh, that are very, very adamant about not picking team captains. So, um, you know, this is just my two cents on the on the topic. Uh, but I think that a couple of these things will hopefully shape your understanding about you know the importance of of team captains and you know what they can provide for your program. You know, we want. And I know I specifically am really hoping to leverage sports for the leadership development of all athletes. Um, but again, you know, these I think you need to take these seven uh, things into consideration about how we can really optimize the leadership development for the most amount of athletes. And so to begin, I'd like to start with point one, which is called the 10-80-10 rule. I believe that it was first, at least I, it was first introduced to me by Urban Meyer in his book, Above the Line. And in there, um, there was an organizational psychologist um, that kind of came to this, this, not theory so much, but more of like a universal principle where um, both in teams and in the corporate field, um, they found this, this rule called the 1080-10. Essentially what, it's, what it states is that within any organization, there's this top 10%. These are your individuals who... Uh, you know, are totally bought into the program, who go above and beyond what's required, and who are your, your top influencers within your program or your organization. Um, and they are the ones that you can really count on. Then you have the middle 80, which are, are there uh, just kind of going with the flow. They're the ones who are, are influenced by either the top 10 or the bottom 10. And then obviously the bottom 10, which are the ones who uh, really aren't bought into the program are doing the minimum, uh, putting forth the minimum required effort just to get by. Um, they're a lot of times they're really good influencers too, but just in a negative way. And what's happening within with an organ within an organization is this constant battle between the top ten percent and the bottom ten percent, and they're trying to fight for that middle eighty percent. And so what we want to do as coaches is to provide the the right development and training uh, and pour into those top 10% of individuals who are in that battle for for winning over the rest of the team. And then obviously trying our best to manage the bottom 10%. um, And really the hard part there is trying to analyze and figure out who those are and then 
um, you know that that that'll be a separate conversation. But essentially, what we want to do is is promote and help the temp, top ten percent as much as we can, because they are the main influencers of the team. The second point is what's called Pareto's principle, and this essentially states that twenty percent of our inputs equate to eighty percent of our outputs. Um, so, for instance, if you have uh, if you're in a strength conditioning uh, program and you're doing 10 exercises and you do, uh, well essentially what that means is that two of those 10 exercises are equating for about 80% of the um, of the results that you're getting. It states that 20% of, uh, of an organization are equating to 80% of, of the productive workflow that's occurring there. Um, 20% of the people in the world own 80% of the wealth in the world. So this is a universal principle that also applies here for teams as well, especially for leadership. And what, what we've kind of seen is that within every team, 20% of your team is doing 80% of the influencing. So if you have, let's say it's a basketball team, let's say it's a smaller one, you only have 10 people on the team, that means that two of your athletes are equating for a majority of, of the overall influence, uh, the social influence, especially within the team. And so why that matters is that you need to be able to identify what those, who those two individuals are, or that 20%. And, you know, it doesn't say that necessarily they're positively or negatively influencing. So you want to make sure that you're pouring into them and guiding and directing and developing those main influencers on your team. Um, that's the second point. Thirdly, is that you need to understand that we can only directly influence about six to eight people on a day-to-day -day basis. So we have to be, as coaches, very strategical about who we pour into. You just don't have the time of the day to be able to really mentor and develop every single individual on your team the way you would probably like to. Um, so the idea there is um, you know the smaller the group, the higher the impact, and you you know you want to make sure that the people you're directly influencing are those assistant coaches that you have, and then those main influencers, those which are hopefully your team captains, and really pouring into them so that going back to point one and point two, point one being so that that ten percent those team captains can win the battle that they're they're facing on a day to day basis within the team, and secondly that you're developing that 20% um, so that they're, they're influencing uh, positively, right? And so point number four is understanding that you create culture, but team captains, your main influencers, they are the ones that drive your culture. Culture is all about, you know, it's, it's what is actually happening within your team. What are the social norms uh, what are the what are socially acceptable? What are the behaviors that are acceptable? And your real culture is the th are the things and the actions and the behaviors that are happening when you are not looking. Um, that's a majority of the behaviors and actions and attitudes that are occurring. And those team captains are going to be there for a majority of of those. And they are going to be either have they're either going to be equipped. And have the courage and, and be the ones that have been developed to be able to hold others accountable to certain behaviors or not. And that's going to be on you. But that's this is bringing into picture this, remember, the six sources of influence. Um, your team captains are a major portion, almost uh, a third 
of 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 the of the sources of influence there and just it's important to remember that they are the ones that drive culture and even more importantly this is kind of where it comes into play where you know we want to develop all of our athletes to be leaders and here's the truth is that they all are leaders because leadership is just this toolbox of skill sets that are kind of encompassed within the toolbox um, and some some have more tools than others right um, but the idea is that if you can pour into pour into a few, they will be able to drive your culture, and then your culture is going to be um, that's going to be what drives and develops the rest of the team appropriately. Um, and I kind of like that that model there. So remembering here in point four that team captains drive culture, and that that social influence is vital to the development of the rest of the team's leadership abilities um, and their performance. Point five is what's called the bystander effect. And the bystander effect essentially states that, um, you know, it's a phenomenon that, that psychologists have found to be true within the world uh, and, and social psychology. And that's that when an individual is going down the street, let's say that they're in New York City where you know, a bunch of people pass by uh, somebody that needs help. And uh, the bystander effect essentially states that that individual most likely will not stop and help because of their beliefs that somebody else will come in and help that individual. Um, and so what we don't want to have happen, and what I see a lot of times on teams, is when you don't ultimately hold somebody responsible like a team captain and you put it to the whole group to hold each other accountable, a lot of times when those those minor infractions occur, or even sometimes the big ones, um, everyone else thinks that that, it, it, that somebody else will be the one that takes initiative to step in and say, hey, we don't do that here. Um, and that can be a real issue. And so it's very helpful to have one person ultimately responsible um, for the few times, hopefully, that, um, that will require them to take the initiative that... Um, and they'll be able to take ownership of making sure that the bystander effect doesn't occur within the, the, the shaping and development of your culture and the social norms that you want to have be um, acceptable within your program. And point six is, um, is I think that the team captaincy really reflects the real world. I think we have to remember why we are playing sports in the first place. You know, it's something we love to do, but ultimately we really want to leverage it to provide these individuals with skill sets that are going to be valuable to them in their life. Um, just as you're named the head coach, there's somebody who's ultimately responsible for the development of the program. Um, there should be somebody who is, uh, doesn't make sense why you would be afraid to name uh, one or two individuals and give them some power and authority and title. And one of the big reasons for this is because a lot of times athletes, you know, one of the frustrations with coaches that, Athletes, once they're given the title and authority, they change their behavior, and uh, it really frustrates coaches because it's not what they were expecting, and uh, and so they see that as a really bad thing. But that is a great thing because what it means is that number one, you know, especially if you give them feedback and you you see this as a learning experience for them, they'll understand that um, you know they'll understand more about leadership, which is what this is all about. 
and why it's so important that we put them through this because if they if they hadn't even if they failed through this experience with if they're given the title and authority and they completely mismanage that it's better that they do that now and not in the real world where it really matters um, and you'll find that a lot of times that is um, that is navigated more effectively when you actually take the time to develop leaders within your program and explain to them what it looks like and have an actual culture of uh, of leadership and um, and it's and I think it's a vital process to go through that really again reinforces this idea that we are trying to provide experiences for athletes um, in ways in which that will promote their development for for life. Point seven is the fact that you cannot develop through lecture. You know, we only retain about 5% of the information that we hear. Uh, learning leadership just through lecture would be like trying to learn how to play any sport, tennis, volleyball, basketball, by just reading or being lectured to. We actually have to go through the motions. You know, leadership is an action. And so to develop leadership means that they need to experience it. And unfortunately, only so many people can experience so many things. Uh, you can't have every single person give the pregame speech. You can rotate potentially, but um, you know then that gets back into how skill sets developed. Uh, great ones, at least, are you know they are developed through uh, multiple iterations of training. And so, um, I think it's just important to realize that only so many people can experience so many things. Um, and there's only so many experiences to really go around. And so we have to, we need to be intentional um, and understand the reality about this. Um, and so we want to make sure that we are promoting this development of leadership through experiences and letting go of the control uh, that most coaches have, relinqu relinquishing that and providing some opportunities for these team captains uh, to really go through the motions and get a feel for and get some immediate feedback from teammates and even from you um, so that they can really grow in their maturation and in their development. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Ben Smith. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.